Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Father, thank you for your word. Lord, I thank you for the wonders of it. I thank you that it's alive and it is life to us. I thank you, the Holy Spirit, that you're able to take uh, my remarks this morning and translate to each heart as we have need. I thank you, Lord, that none will come in needing encouragement and leave the same way. I thank you that you are able to build us up in our faith as we are in your presence, uh, hearing your word. And I thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. So creeping towards the end of our series here on living by faith, we've gone through Hebrews 11, what some call the hall of faith. And we can see that living by faith, there's a, a way that believers in Jesus Christ or followers of Jesus Christ uh, live that is different. Uh, we live by faith. We've seen that it's needed and we've seen how unique it is to followers of Jesus. Uh, faith defined, one of the ways we define it is just seeing as he sees, seeing things the way that God sees things. It is a sight transformation for us. It comes about by first hearing the truth and receiving it as the truth. It says in him, we live and move and have our being that the righteous live by faith or we are alive by faith. And it goes through all of those examples in Hebrews 11 of people living by faith. And then we get to, you know, he's bringing it to his conclusion here, the writer of Hebrews and starting in chapter 12, he says, therefore, and when you see that, what they mean is because of what I just said, because of what I just said, and they may be referring to the sentence before that. They may be referring to the chapter before that, maybe referring to the whole book before that. He's at least referring to chapter 11 because of all these things that I've just laid out for you. All these saints of old who have lived by faith come before you because of what I just said. Since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. Now, now part of this is going to be beating the same drum I have for the last uh, two weeks. So I won't spend a lot of time on this point, but we are not alone in this life of faith. We are not alone in our time in this life of faith. We are not alone in all of time in this life of faith across time and history. People have lived by faith in God himself and who he is and what he said that he would do. So it says, since we have such a great cloud of witnesses, it draws up this picture for us, this mental image, almost of a stadium filled with people. So what you would see at a big football game, soccer game, NBA game, you will see it full of people all cheering for the folks that are on the court. They're not in the game, but they're cheering for the ones that are in 
the game. This is the same image he's wanting to stir up in our imagination. When we hear we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, they've gone before they lived by faith. They are encouraging us by their life, by their example. They're encouraging us to do the same thing, to live life by faith. It's our turn. It's our privilege. We are next in line to run this race. Remember Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. The life I now live in this body, I live by faith in the son of of God. So he says, therefore, because we have this great cloud of witnesses and we're going to see something that happens in the Bible a lot where it says, because of this, do this. Because of this, go and do this. He says, since we also have such a great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that so easily ensnares us. Again, it's this image stadium full of people that have gone before us. They've already run their race and we're running our race now. It's this image of an athletic competition. It's a great way for us to have an analogy there to our life uh, and the life of faith. He said the first thing you need to do is set aside the weights that would slow you down as you're running your race. And I could spend a whole lot of time on you have to run your race. It says run the race set before who? Set before you. Not running the race set before them, not running the race you'd rather run, running the race that is set before you. It says set aside the weights that would hinder us, that would slow us down, and the sin that so easily ensnares us or trips us up, and then it'll tell us to look unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, or the initiator and the perfecter of our faith, that we're supposed to run with endurance this race that is set before us. But to do that, first we have to lay aside the things that would weigh us down and keep us from running, running in this life of faith. So quick question. You don't have to holler it out. It'd be fine. better if you didn't probably. When was the last time that you ran? I mean, physically, Ran like one foot in front of the other ran. When was the last time that you ran? Now, the younger you are, the more recent it's going to have been. Right. I mean, what do we every time at church? Stop running. Stop running. Stop running. But I only say that to kids. I don't ever have to say it to any adults. I don't stop. Hey, you got to stop running. You got to stop running down the hallway. You got to stop running up to it. You got to stop running. Why? Because it's easier for them. The older we get, there are more what? Hindrances to running. There are things that keep us from running. And what are those things? There's plenty of them, right? P- pick whichever one you want. There's lots of hindrances that keep us from running as we get older. That's why when I ask you that, the older you are, the longer it's probably been since you ran. I'm talking about run. That you Ran. So what would hinder us in running this race, this life of faith? How we're supposed to live by faith. What, what would hinder us in that? Well, same, similar thing. A lot of different things, right? It could be a long list 
of things that would keep us from running this race that, that set uh, before us. Many things. Today we're just going to talk about one thing. Because I've just got time to talk about one thing. And it's something that I believe that the Lord has been teaching me uh, about in this. A, a weight that we can set aside in order to run better in this life of faith. Run more unhindered in this life of faith. It was several weeks ago uh, on a Sunday morning, just like today, I was on my way to church. And while I was on my way to church, I was thinking about something. Um, there was a uh, little situation that had come up in our community. A uh, little bit of drama around. I don't know if y'all know, we have some dramatic situations sometimes. Uh, even in our little community. And I knew about this because I had seen it on social media, right? Reading about it on Facebook, reading other people's comments about it on Facebook, seeing people be really silly on Facebook and what they were saying and, and just thinking through this, right? I'm thinking through this situation, thinking through all these responses that I've seen, all these comments that I've seen about it. I'm thinking on this. And something strange began to happen. I started to get stressed about it. I started to get concerned about it like I was going to have to address it. Like I was going to have to say something. Have you ever felt like that? And there were literal physical changes in my body, right? Something starts to hurt a little bit. Heart starts beating a little bit faster. I'm kind of like, you know, when you start to get worked up about something. And I'm driving to church. And I get to the red light there by La Loma and Atwoods, there at that red light. And I'm, I'm, this is just kind of turning over in me. And all of a sudden, the, the Lord said to me, and now when you, sometimes when you say that, I always want to clarify because people don't necessarily know what you're talking about. What I mean is the Lord said to me. He's like, well, how does he say it to you? Is it like an audible voice that you hear? Not, not always. I had, oh, this is great. I was at Overcomers, uh, again, several weeks ago. And Big John Hoover, and if you haven't been, you don't know Big John Hoover. He's one of my friends now. Uh, and he and I sit in the back. And he leans over to me, and I, I think it was during the testimony time, and he said, Steve, how do you know when the Lord is speaking to you? And I was like, well, that's hey, you got to be ready to answer questions now. Right. And I said, well, Big John, I, I think the easiest way to explain it is it, it's something that, that you think in your mind, but it doesn't seem like it's a thought that comes from you. Uh, and it's a good thought and, and it's an instructional or directional thought. And it agrees with his word. And he said, because I I hear people say all the time they heard the Lord speak and I don't know what they mean. And I, I said it again and he said, well, I've had that before. I said, well, then you've heard the Lord speak. And some people get confused and they'll say, well, I don't know when it's him and when it's just my own thoughts. And my answer would be, how smart does it sound? The smarter it sounds, the more likely it is it'd be him. Because I have that all the time where I'll think and I'm like, well, that is definitely not for me because that was amazing. And I'm going to write it down before I forget. And, and now I will tell you, and then I'll get, I jumped off on a rabbit trail. I will tell you that the longer you walk with the Lord, uh, that inner witness of your own spirit will begin to sound more like him. 
Just like as you get older, you'll hear your voice say something that one of your parents might have said to you because you walked with them for so long. It's like, well, wait a second. That was their voice, but it was in my own heart. They were encouraging me, but it was me encouraging me with their words. And it's all good. So, and I, I remember, I remember exactly where I was when that happened. And that's one of the ways that I know when it's him, because there's emphasis on it. And it's a moment of clarity when I was otherwise, you know, kind of getting a little confused there. And, and the Lord spoke again in my, in my heart and said, that has absolutely nothing to do with you. <laughs> right. I'm riding along. I'm, I'm just I am just wrapped up about this drama that's going on and I'm feeling like I need to do something about it. And the voice of I'm, I'm coming to preach here and I'm thinking about that. And the, and, and the Lord just reminded me, Stephen, that has absolutely nothing to do with you. And then something funny happened. It reminded me of a clip, a line from one, a little comedy show that I like called The Office. And one of the guys is doing it's they work in a, a paper company office in Pennsylvania. And one of the guys is doing an impression of another one. And his impression of the guy is, why do you keep CCing me on things that have nothing to do with me? And that came in my mind next. And I laughed about it, too. And what it's talking about is in an office environment. I don't know if you're familiar, but on an email, you've got who it's to. And then you've got a CC underneath it for carbon copy means this email isn't to you, but I'm going to send it to you anyway, because I think you need to see it. I think you need to be in the loop on it. I'm sending it to Andrew, but I'm going to carbon copy Kelly because I want her to know what's going on, too. And, and, And you have people that will abuse that and carbon copy you on stuff that has nothing to do with you. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, thank God that you don't know. Because what it does is it clutters up your email inbox of stuff that has nothing to do with you. And he encouraged me. He's like, you're spending your time and energy thinking on this, getting all wrapped up around this. And it has nothing to do with you. I was getting distracted. The word distracted means I was getting off track. I should have been on track and I was distracted. I was off track thinking about this. You keep CCing me on things that have nothing to do with me. See, we have enough. This is what he was teaching me. You you have enough that belongs to you. You have enough things in life that already belong to you. You don't need to pick up cares that don't belong to you. Hebrews says, set it aside. Set aside what would hinder you, what would weigh you down from running in the lane you are supposed to be in. So in that email example, you're CCing me on things that have nothing to do with me. As soon as it comes up and I identify that it doesn't have anything to do with me, I'm going to delete it. (laughs) This isn't mine. This doesn't belong to me. And then one of my favorite things to do is to put a little rule in there and go, if this person ever sends me anything again, just put it in the junk mail. (laughs) You can't always do that, but you can sometimes do that. And that's one of my favorite things to do is just go from now on. I don't even want to see this. This doesn't involve me. I get no benefit out of this. Anything this person sends me can go to junk mail. And then it's not there in the way of everything that I do need to be thinking about and that I do need to be 
working on. Why would I do that market is junk? Why? Because it has nothing to do with me. And this is one of the, I started taking notes as soon as I feel like I may have had to do it on the way. Like when something hits like that, I was like, I cannot lose this. This is so good. He's like, you've got a lot of things that are taking up space in your inbox that need to be in the junk mail folder. You've got a lot of things that are taking up space in your actual, you know, line of business where you, where you actually need to be and taking care of stuff. You've got stuff in there that just needs to be moved out because it has nothing to do with you. Now, how does that affect our, our living by faith? We have to monitor what it is that we're thinking about. We have to monitor what it is that we're taking up as far as cares, concerns, and worries because they will hinder us and weigh us down. Am I monitoring that mental inbox of mine or am I letting stuff just pile up? Because look, emails, people can just send you anything. They can fly anything at you. And it will fill up to the point that you can't even process the good and right stuff that's in there. You should see Kelly's inbox. You can lose, you can lose things that are good in the midst of stuff that have nothing to do with you. I mean, thousands. When she cleans it up, it takes a day. Same email for just years. and It's just stuff over and over. But you will lose things that are actually important in just an overwhelming amount of things that aren't important. Why are you CCing me on things that have nothing to do with me? Because here's something we need to understand. There is, and for the rest of time will be, a crisis going on. There is always a crisis going on. And there will be for the rest of time. There's always drama going on. And there will be for the rest of time. But it doesn't have to belong to you. If it's not yours, don't pick it up. If it's not yours, don't leave it in your inbox. And this is something that's new for us, right? Used to, I'm not even going to go too far back. I mean, when I was growing up, you knew a lot about what was going on in your town. Like that was the biggest problem. Like you needed to be concerned on the stuff that was going on in your house, but then you got kind of wrapped up in what was going on in the rest of the street. And maybe if the town was big enough, you know, what was going on in town. Now we've got the whole world open to us. We know about everything that ever thought about going on anywhere that's going on everywhere. And we've got it right in front of us and I can see it and I can find out all about it. And I feel like I'm involved in it and it can start to feel like it belongs to me. It can start to feel like something that I need to be letting take up space up here. And what he reminded me of is I need to monitor what I'm letting spend time up here. And if it's not mine, I got enough stuff that is mine that needs to get out of the way. But social media, the 24 hour news cycle made our village worldwide, made our little town worldwide. There can be an influencer I don't know in California and they're having problems and I'm just eat up with it. I'm just worried about them. I can't. And look, I don't even know them. Never met them before. They don't know my name, but I'm all worried. What about them? Why? Because I can see it. Instead of just being worried about my own, you know, local school and and school board and, and what's going on. I have to find out and hear about and wade through all of them everywhere. And of course, I hear about the worst ones the most. 
right? We have the whole world open to us and what it, what it ends up being is it's cares that we pick up and carry ourselves like it's ours when it's not. Because we have this illusion of involvement. We have this illusion of uh, it having something to do with us. Are we monitoring that mental inbox or are we letting it fill up with stuff and overwhelm us with things that absolutely have nothing to do with us, losing the things that actually do have something to do with us? And listen, the things that I'm talking about, the cares that you're going to have to set down, the concerns you're going to have to set down, it can be real stuff and it can be real important stuff. But you can only carry so much. What does it have? Does it have anything to do with you? If not, junk. It's got to go to the junk because you don't have unlimited capacity. You don't have infinite time or energy. It's got to go to the junk. One of my favorite things that happens at work. One of my absolute favorite things is when I get a voicemail and it says, hey, Stephen, I need you to call me. Or, hey, Stephen, I need you to call so-and-so. They called and they need something. And I call them. This is my favorite thing. When I call them and they say, oh, I already got that taken care of. I had called you, but then I talked to somebody else and they got it taken care of. That's my favorite thing. (laughs) And I'll tell them. What I don't tell them is, well, what was it? I do not care. (laughs) It It has nothing to do with me. I do not have enough energy to be nosy about it. I'll just tell them that's the easiest thing I've done all day. If I can do anything else for you, you let me know. But I'm glad it worked out that way. Easiest thing I've done all day. What was that? Setting aside what could be a hindrance. Well, tell me what the problem was. I'm just wanting to know what it was. I'm just interested in what it was. Because it doesn't have anything to do with me. There's going to be something else that does have to do with me. I don't need to be on the phone talking about something that's already taken care of. So we lay aside those hindrances and those weights that would otherwise weigh it down. We have to say that's not mine. We have to monitor. And this sounds weird, but I, I hope this analogy is coming across. We have to monitor that mailbox. How often? Every day. Every day. I'll give you another example. A lot of y'all know Kelly's aunt, Judah, right? Judah drives a big truck. She's gone all the time. She's in about once a month. And she has a lot of her mail, almost all of her mail at this point, delivered to our house. We are her mailing address. And so every day, Kelly or I, one, will go check the mail and we sort it. We go, okay, this is ours and it's important. This is ours and it's junk. And this is Judah's. We've got three piles, Right. So we take the important, we set it aside, we take the junk, what do we do with it? We throw it right away. And we take hers, and we don't want to sort hers, we don't know what's important and what's not, so we set it aside. And we do that every day, and it takes us about 20 seconds to get rid of our junk mail every day. When she comes in, she comes in about once a month. Sometimes it's a little bit more, uh, longer than a month, maybe a month and a half. It may take her 30 minutes to sort through that mail, and the pile of stuff that needs to be thrown away is this big. I mean, it's pounds of mail that has to be thrown away just just in 30 days. And she's not there to do it. You know, she can't process it through it. I'm not going to guess and throw it away. But just thinking about that, I noticed the difference. I was like, when I do it every day, it takes me 20 seconds. When I let it pile up, it's overwhelming. 
I have to be on this every day. I can't just be picking up stuff that doesn't have anything to do with me. Otherwise, it's going to get so much that it's going to take me forever to even sort through it. So when we think about what's weighing us down, we need to ask how often we're looking at the things that we're carrying. How often am I evaluating these things that I'm carrying and deciding what's real and what's junk and then what belongs to somebody else? Get rid of the junk. And here, watch this. This is something. This is something else that's important. And I think this I think this may encourage you. Is it yours to carry, even if it's important? Because that's what we, we tend to think. Okay, well, this is important. It must be mine to carry. So let's think about this. Tomorrow's Monday. You go check your mailbox tomorrow. And when you check your mailbox, you find two electric bills in there. One addressed to you and one addressed to your neighbor. Two electric bills. Now, is your electric bill important? It's important. If you don't pay it, they will cut your lights off. You find two electric bills in there. Both of them are important. What are you going to do with them? Are you going to pay both of them? Raise your hand if you would pay both of them. I'm going to put mine in your box. You're not going to pay both of them. Why? Because that one doesn't belong to you. What are you going to do? You're going to walk your happy self right over to your neighbor's mailbox or to their front door and you're going. (laughs) Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. You're not going to open it, see how much it is, worry about how you're going to pay it. Why? Because it doesn't belong to you. That bill is not yours to pay. You don't need to stress and worry about bills that aren't yours to pay. But it's important, but it's not yours to pay. You'll carry the weight of situations or the weight of people because you care about them and because they're important, but you can't be the one to pay it. You aren't going to be able to pay it. We don't need to stress about paying bills that aren't ours. We need to take it to who it's addressed to. And guess what? A lot of the bills in your life, the, the you bills, not the light bill, the water bill. I'm talking about the, the ones that actually have to deal with your life and your existence. They are not addressed to you as a believer. They're addressed to him. They belong to him. So when I get it, I go, "Ooh, that's a lot. I'm glad it has his name on there. And what do I do? I take it to him. Scripture tells us casting all your cares on him because he cares for you. And again, that's just one example, one thing that can hinder us taking up space in our minds and in our thoughts and in our attention that actually have nothing to do with us. So this week, monitor that inbox, monitor those things, especially like I and again, I got I slipped off into it real quick. He had to pull me back. Because there's no telling how much longer I would have thought about it, how much I would have been distracted coming into here, not not having my mind on what my mind needed to be on because it was wrapped up with something else. Monitor that mental inbox or that mailbox and ask yourself, is this slowing me down? That answer is going to be pretty easy. Then the next question, is this mine to carry? Because there are things that you have to carry. Again, you have enough to carry. You don't need to be picking up cares that aren't yours. And then is this my bill to pay? 
This has a lot of weight on it. This has a lot tied to it. I can want it to be paid, but is this my bill to pay? And listen, there are, again, there are things with our name on them that are expensive things that we can't pay in this life of faith. And they have our name on them. But I thank God for what it said next in Hebrews chapter 12 after verse 1. When it said, let us lay aside every hindrance and sin that so easily ensnares us. We may talk about that next week. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us. What? Keeping our eyes on Jesus. Keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and the perfecter of our faith. The source and the perfecter. There is no life of faith without him. We talked about this on Wednesday night when we were looking at Hebrews eleven six, where it says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. For those that come to him must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. And then in Hebrews 12, 2, it tells us where our faith comes from. Who's the source of our faith? Jesus. So what it is that we need to please God comes from God himself. We don't have to pay that bill. It comes from him, Jesus, the source and perfecter. That means he doesn't only give it to us, but he brings it to its good and right conclusion in our life. He's the source and the perfecter of our faith. It's from him. It's through him and it's to him. And it's not mine to pay. The problem that really was ours, the debt we couldn't pay, the problem that had everything to do with us, he took it, marked our name out, and wrote his name on it. It said he took away the writing of requirement that was against us, that was contrary to us, nailing it to the cross. He took it away. He paid that debt. And all these others who have come before us, all their examples are encouraging us to look to him, to set aside the weights that would hinder us. Again, that was just one. That's just one thing we need to keep an eye out for. There's all kinds of things that begin to weigh us down that we just have to go, is this able to be set down? Yes, I'm setting it down. The weights that hinder us, avoiding the snares of sin that trip us up. Why? That's the example. So that we can run. We can't be weighted down. We can't be tripping up. We need to be able to run. How do we do that? We keep our eyes on him. Again, when was the last time that you ran? Why hindrances? Hindrances, And by faith, we can do something about them in our faith life and our faith walk. We can do more than we can about our physical limitations here. Not that we can't do anything about our physical limitations, but we can do more about those hindrances in our faith walk. We need to set aside the things that would weigh us down in our heart and in our mind. And we need to watch out for the things that would trip us up. And we need to keep following him. Amen. So that by faith, he's given us the ability to bring order out of chaos, to clean out that email inbox and to put those rules into place. And like, this has got to go. This has got to get out. This doesn't have anything to do with me. And here, here I'll, I'll come close to ending with this. 
we need to ask him for help. We need to ask him for help with it. Because he doesn't just leave us alone in that. He's there with us, for us. We need to ask him for help with it. When we're feeling weighed down, burdened down, bogged down, we need to ask him, hey, is there anything you see that I'm carrying that's not mine to carry? Is there anything that you see that I'm letting hinder me in this walk? And when you ask, he's faithful to respond. He is faithful to respond and help as a believer. One last scripture. In 1 Corinthians 10 and verse 5, it says that we take every thought captive to obey Christ. We take every thought captive to the obedience of Jesus Christ. We're able to take control of those things that would pop in our mind and go, is this obeying Jesus? No. It's either going to or it's got to go. It's either going to obey him or it's got to go. Why are you CCing me on things that have nothing to do with me? We take those thoughts captive and make them obey Christ. How are we able to do that? By faith. And where does our faith come from? He is the source and the perfecter of our faith. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you teach us in ways that we can understand. I thank you that you always teach me in a way that I can understand. And it's always so good that it's memorable. And Holy Spirit, I I pray that you again would take the word today and translate it to each heart as we have need. That you would shine a light and illuminate those things that we've been carrying that don't have anything to do with us. Those things that we've been trying to pay that you've already paid. Those debts that we've been stressing over that don't even have our name on them anymore. That you shine a light on them. That you bring the truth to it in Jesus' name. I thank you that you help us. That you help teach us. You're you're so gracious and kind to teach us, Holy Spirit, how to walk with you more closely. And I thank you that when you identify these things for us in our thought life, in our day to day, that you do it with love and that you do it in a way that we can understand and that you do it in a way we can act on. And I thank you that as we continue to hear the cheers of those who have come before those that turned back and were destroyed, they were like those that had faith and were saved. And we are of the same cut. We are of the same people because we have found salvation in you by grace alone. You you did it by grace so it would be sure to all the seed. And I thank you that we find ourselves in their number having had nothing to do with us but everything to do with you. And Lord, all those thoughts, those things that people might have said to us that we've let weigh us down You say better things over us so we can cast out what they said. It has nothing to do with us. Do with us if it wasn't to our good and our betterment and to build us up and to push us closer to you. That we can see the lies fall at the feet of the truth. Father, as we get ready to go today, I thank you that we go in peace and unity with one another. Lord, that you bless us and keep us. Make your face to shine upon us and give us peace. 
For any of those who are out from among us today, for whatever reason, I thank you, Lord, you bless them right where you are, right where they are. Protect them, keep them safe, bring them safely back to us. I thank you, Lord, for the family that you've given us to walk through this life together with, to remind one another every day and often how good life with you is and how it's always, always, always the right way. It's always the best decision. And it's better than we could have ever imagined for ourselves. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.